Blog Talk Radio. Still hear me? Quentin. Quentin, are you still there? Hi everyone, this is Quentin. Diana's having some technical difficulties. I think she's talking and none of you can hear her. I know that she's in here, so um I think her mic is not working right. Um we have our special guest tonight, which is Karen Edgerton. Hi Karen, can you hear me? Hey. Can you hear yes, me now? Yes, I can. Oh, Diana, Hi, we can hear you now, too. <laughs> My mic was on pause. I, I had a funny suspicion. <laughs> oh, Hi, Karen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. Um, thank you for joining us tonight. And to all of you sure. out there in Radio Land, uh, welcome to Stackhouse Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, tonight, I'm going to go ahead and let Quentin introduce our guest. Um, Quentin, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest? Okay, well, our guest tonight is my friend, Karen Edgerton. And Karen and I, quite some time ago, worked on uh, a pretty good theory on the Lizzie Borden uh, case, which is what prompted this evening's redo on an old episode we did a long time ago about Lizzie Borden. Um, but now Karen and I have known each other. Karen, we've mostly known each other now what? Four years, five years? We've known each other a while, right? I think um, I think five, given how long I've, yeah, after we moved to separate parts of the country. That was two yeah. years ago, and we knew each other for at least three before that. Um, so, Karen, you would probably be best to give your um, your personal history. I know um, you were at one time a licensed counselor, amongst other things, um, but I think give you an interesting insight on um, looking at a criminal case. Well, uh, and, and thanks for that, Quentin. I, I have a master's in counseling, and I, did, I specialized in trauma and grief. I worked in funeral homes for a dozen years. Um, I worked on a crisis line. But one of the most interesting things I did in reference to this, to what we're talking about tonight, is I worked with several, quite a few men um, in the Michigan prison system on a project that was based on helping them to come to terms with their crimes and admit that they had actually done it and take responsibility for it, maybe reach out to other people and especially and to like their families and friends and say, yeah, all that time I said I hadn't done it, I did. And, and finding out, it, and in that process, I found out that pretty much all the stories I had initially been told by the men I met uh, were, were lies or embellishments or sideways of the truth. 
and it was very interesting to see the process of the 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 lies and the facade morph into the truth uh which was in most cases completely different or different enough that you began to piece together okay so when you said this before that's why it didn't make sense that certain things on people's in people's stories i found just didn't hold up when you started comparing them to other things they said it's 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 very easy to tell the truth quentin um, and it is very difficult to maintain a lie and to maintain it over a long period of time. Um, That's, now, I, I don't really recall how we ended up that one particular day on the subject of Lizzie Borden, which uh, I, I think it's a, uh, most of my friends, I think, find it an interesting case. Um, and, and I don't remember, it, it may have been, um, maybe been a sh- back when Diana and I had just done an episode on Lizzie Borden and just kind of roughly covered yeah. it. I, I don't know. That was um, that was a few years back, wasn't it? That was probably like five or six years, maybe four years. I don't know. Well, that was that um, was a while Quentin, back. Quentin, what happened was I came over. Um, I worked at a funeral home right by your house. I came over, sat down for coffee, and actually, you said, "Okay, so listen." I would really like to pick your brain on this and see what we can find because you have that perspective you have um, on the Lizzie Borden case. And and we just went from there. So I guess the best thing to do here is I know all three of us seem to be uh, somewhat on a similar page for the idea of what what we think happened. Um, yeah. So we have roughly just under an mm-hmm. hour to kind of cover everything here. So right. what I thought is, Karen, I'm going to let you – um, present your your case, um, and then the the three of us can kind of talk. I, we'll probably jump right. in randomly Actually, at certain um, points. What I think would be interesting to do too is before we just jump into looking at the case of Lizzie Borden is kind of, you know, because everybody has a starting point. Everybody has a point to where they're like, well, wow, you know, this is really interesting. This is really grabbing me, and I want to look closer. So. Um, I know for me, it was when I was in Fall River, Mass, and I went to the Lizzie Borden house and did a tour with what seemed like 20 million other people and kids posing on the couch, and um, I won't even get into that. (laughs) Um, Don't go when it's busy, because you won't be. It's, 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 you know what it is? I find that large families tend to have really a lack of respect for the history of places. And this one couple had their little oh. kids posing as dead people on couches. Yeah. And I'm like, eh. okay, well, that somebody actually really died, you know, in that general spot. So, you know, maybe not do that. But um, it's a really great tour. And Fall, uh, Fall River actually has a lot of different things down there. It's worth a day trip or a two-day trip. Um, but for me, that's what sparked my interest in the case is, you know, just haphazardly going, oh, let's do the tour. Um, Karen, what was your, what was your initial um, – like what made you grip onto this story and say, wow, I want to look farther into it. I want to see what I can find and see what's, you know, questionable about it. What, what did that for you? Well, um, I was born and raised in Canada and uh, I didn't pay except for a few things. Tried, we sort of tried to keep separate from anything going on in the States and stuff, but, mm-hmm. but this was all, this is all, this is such an almost worldwide international thing of what happened and just I think what's 
always kind of interested me was that did Lizzie do it or not? Not right. who did it, not if she didn't and we just acquitted her after ni- 90 minutes, um, mm. then then let's look for who did. Oh, we don't really care who did. No, did she do it or did she not? And it has just all these theories and, and books that have been written on it, research that's right. done on it, that sort of retells the same thing. She was mm-hmm. this kind of person. She, I mean, it, it's more, it, it really is very little, it seems, about the event. I mean, on, I think it's called Jenny, G-E-N-I.com, which is a genealogy site. Her occupation, okay. Lizzie Borden's occupation is listed as axe murderer spinster. Wow. That's, <laughs> you know, that's amazing. And it's, and it's like, you know, so that it, it, it's, I would have, I would have loved to meet this woman and find mm-hmm. out why right, she right. annoyed people so much that she was the only possibility. She seems in many people's mind to still be the only possibility. And yet there's a lot of contradictory evidence. Right. I know. Yeah. I know for me, um, you know, looking at this and reading the transcripts and, and looking at the documentaries and reading the books. And I know for me, one, one thing was, uh, and I don't think, I'm not sure if a lot of people look at this, but, and you're right, the books tend to rehash the same thing over and over and over again. But it, the manner of which the murders were, were done, I, I've, um, if you've ever read a book it's by Harold Bloom, a Yale professor, it's called um, The Lucifer Principle. And it talks about true evil and true anger and hatred that resides in, within us. And if you look at the manner of how Abby was killed and you look at the difference in how the father was killed, and it just it always struck me that the father, the murder seemed personal. It seemed fueled with passion and such hatred. I mean, to, to destroy this man's face to the point to where he could never look upon you again or you would never recognize his face again. To me, that's just right. somebody snapping. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with the, um, with the insinuation that there was incest involved and that she very well could have been a, um, you know, a victim of some kind of sexual molestation or abuse by her father. And to me, that would reflect in that something like that would reflect in that kind of murder. I mean, you just that one swing and you just lose it, you snap. Right. And right. I, I'd be um, curious if your if your take on that. Well, I think that, and again, um, this goes to a lot of um, a lot of criminals and a lot of people mm-hmm. who have killed other people. Uh, right. will tell you about their childhoods and how and and all and i am i have a i come from a, a very violent abusive household and i haven't killed anyone yet right um, i say yet but you know but th- I, th- I hear th- you th- that is why else how else could why else would she have done it well this must have been happening. And yet there's other reports and, and things that say that, no, actually, her middle name was Andrew. I noticed so that, right. I thought that was really, of course, his name was mm-hmm. Andrew Jackson Borden, which is right. also, you know, and, and 
things run in families. But the the fact that, I mean, what else could it be? They thought maybe she was having an incestuous relation with her uncle, maybe right. her dad, mm-hmm. maybe a lesbian affair with the maid. Um, right. It's like, okay, so because these are the only, you know, things that could make a woman crazy enough, you know, to kill like yeah. that. And I think that with what Quentin and I looked at, that there was, you know, someone else and there, and there was a more compelling reason actually than that. When you go through certain things and take a look at it from a little wider lens, I guess. Okay. Than just, the you whole, know, I, I, I don't, I don't know. If, I mean, I, I can't tell you if that was true or not. Or if right, um, and I, I you know there was favoritism that, yeah. between the girls, or right. You know, I, mean, I, I think like, the. I, mean, mm-hmm. oh, I, I think a lot of times when people look at the Lizzie Borden case, and I know Karen, when we spoke earlier, you brought this up. It, it's always been, they're like, you know, Lizzie, did she do it? But but there was nobody, nobody else. Like they just, oh, okay, whatever. I mean. There was the uncle in the house, which is is kind of a main topic of what we're going to go on to tonight. But it's funny to me because they just seem to be like, oh, well, you know, he he has a good story. I mean, now they would pick your story apart a hundred times to comb the details. And they just seem to be like, oh, well, he's telling the truth, I'm sure. Why would he lie? Hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and she's a woman which automatically – makes her nuts um one of the in one of the newspaper articles it's a doctor a a famous doctor or a very prominent doctor made the statement that well yes um a woman in a fugue state could certainly do this kind of you know damage well why i mean so she had to be in a fugue state to to do this or she had to, you know, there had to be incest going on, or it just seems like if th- th- there's no one else, there's, no, you know, where are the, you know, we had something about a, a, a son, and no, that wasn't right, and so a poor Portuguese man, no, he wasn't even in town, um, and that was kind of it. And I, right. I, I honestly think people have that they didn't look that hard into it um because they were overwhelmed mm-hmm. for one thing i mean right come on it's not it's not that big a town is it diana i mean no it, it's not it time, really I is i mean coming over the bridge you can see the entire town of fall river so it's really not and and i know that quentin and i were talking earlier today and, and one of the theories that i put out there was that and this is you know just obviously all this is theory because we'll never honestly truly know all the facts um but the judge who was presiding over the case was actually given his um, his position by the man who was her attorney, who was a former governor of Massachusetts. And it almost seemed like they were, when you, when you read through the transcripts and you read how everything was put out, it almost seems as if the town was using this to draw people in, to draw because when you draw people, when you draw media in, when you draw spectators in, you're also drawing money into the town, notoriety into the town. And there's no such thing as bad publicity. There really isn't. And I almost question the fact of whether they ever any they ever had any true intent of even convicting her in the first place. It's almost as if 
they were going to build this up and then just acquit her in the end anyways. Um, and absolutely I'm just curious. That because, yeah, mm-hmm. Quentin and I were talking about that earlier, that, you know, I don't think he w- that Andrew Borden or Abby, the, the mother, were, were mm-hmm. well-liked. Right. Um, he, he had a, a lot of money but lived in the sort of middle income area of town and right. wealthier relatives, you know, wealthier cousins or whatever lived in the, the hill. Up on the, the hill. The really mm-hmm. nice part. Yeah. And uh, the uncle, John Morse, his first wife, his first wife that passed, um, Ad, uh, Lizzie's mom was, was said to be his, his best friend. Mm-hmm. And, and so that means his best, friend had lived away in another in Iowa from Massachusetts for 20 years without Facebook to communicate or tell you know telephones right. or whatever and yet that was his closest best friend wow you know on that Karen it, it makes me think back in um in testimony they they asked about um there's a point where Lizzie makes a statement uh, or, or had said that her stepmother had been called away by a sick friend um, to go tend to them. And there was a question brought up of, did Mrs. Borden have any friends? And the answer was, no, she didn't. So who was this mysterious friend? Was there really this? But the main point of it was that they they said, no, she didn't have any friends. And when you think back that this family was worth roughly $300,000, which is, uh, roughly seven million in today's money. Eight, yeah, seven, eight million. And and they had no friends, so you almost think to yourself, they must have been strongly disliked. As in, well, they've got money, but we don't have to like that kind of trash. Well, don't forget though, he didn't. He himself wasn't. He himself was poor originally. He worked for everything he had, so he was one of the few right. Bordens that didn't. He didn't inherit anything, so he did have a disdain for the upper classes. I think. Uh, because of that fact. And I think that does have, and also, you know, if we look at the actions that he took with Abby, his, his second wife, um, it seemed as if he was transferring properties and money to her and her family while he was still alive, which would have prevented the daughters for claiming that after he died. Right. Because it was well known that they hated this woman and they would have contested any will and any monies that he had left to her after his death. So, there, I know that they, think, in testimony, talk about that, and uh, mm-hmm. mostly Emma Borden talks about um, that they they fought this, and they argued it, and they were very upset about it, um, because he gave a particular property to yeah. the stepmother's, I believe it was her sister, but he didn't give it wholly. Yeah. He gave half to the stepmother and half to the sister, and uh, they were very upset by it, and they confessed to that in court right. that, that this caused a great deal of tension. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you look at Abby's actions where she put, um, they said that she put bolts on her bedroom, the connecting door between her room and the girls' rooms in the, you know, just so cause she felt unsafe or she felt that she was under some kind of threat. So, um, and there's also the instance where Lizzie was in Buzzards Bay and she had tried to purchase poison from the pharmacist, uh, pharmacyanide, mm-hmm. I believe it was. And he denied her because he thought it was an odd request, especially for a summer request to take care of a fur coat. So he denied her on that suspicion. And we all know that in the Victorian age, especially during those times that, you know, 
poison was a woman's tool for murder. Um, and he, you know, so yeah, I, I absolutely. think, I, I think these do, these do, um, um, lean in favor that she at least orchestrated something. Um, oh, I, yeah, I have no doubt on that. Yeah. I, I think, have, I think one thing we can all say is that there was one character who is, is missing during all of this. And this is her sister who, Emma, I guess the short version of it is she, she did go out of town when the uncle was coming to town, which is a little strange to begin with that you would go out of town while your relative is going to be there. Um, it may be coincidence that she wasn't there. Um, I think we all agree too, that it seems that she was either kept out of the way intentionally, or she voluntarily kept herself out of the way during this. Like you can do what you want, but I'm not going to be there. Um, mm -hmm. But the one fact we can agree on is she wasn't home. And uh, she actually in court states that after the row over the property, um, their father did sign over for a dollar their grandfather's house, um, their their childhood home, I guess, or the, it might have been the home they were right. in. He did sign that over to Lizzie and her sister, which for Lizzie was enough to calm the rift. She still she right. stopped so, calling you know, stepmother but, mother, but. I, and I think that. Though, uh, recently, they, but they sold, the girls sold it back to their dad for $5,000. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they made money on that. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> wow. um, she says in court, you know, the, the question was, was Lizzie, mm -hmm. were both of you, they said, were you cordial with your stepmother? And she said, well, Lizzie was by far, by far more than I. And she was quite evident that, um, Lizzie to some extent had maybe moved on or was pretending to have moved on way better than Emma right. could. And I think that that may have been part of it. Either she didn't want to be part of it or she'd have been the first suspect because of how much she openly disliked the stepmother. And I think that um, it's also noted that um, Sullivan was, um, uh, Bridget Sullivan had mentioned that never once in the house had she heard anyone's voices raised. And during the testimony, during the court proceedings, uh, it was well noted that Lizzie Borden showed absolutely no emotion towards anything. Um, during these um, proceedings, which is a flat effect through everything. What's interesting with Bridget Sullivan is her stories, hers are the ones that are never the same twice. She can't seem to remember if, if Lizzie wore a blue dress or if she wore a pink dress or if she mm -hmm. wore the blue dress and then the pink dress or maybe the pink dress and then the blue dress. And there was a statement of, Lizzie showed uh, a great deal of emotion, was very upset and was crying, to which she told the police this. Then in court, she said, I didn't say that. And they said, well, that's what you said then. And she was, well, I guess I didn't remember correctly. And they said, so you didn't remember correctly when it happened, but you remember better now. So her stories were, were very washy. Like she said, oh, well, I never right. saw them ever give a gift. Well, she only worked there for about two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And that was contrary she by on her deathbed though she she told her sister she made a deathbed confession that she had said certain things to protect lizzie oh that's I interesting guess that was a yeah okay. she made a deathbed confession but the other thing that happened that, that was interesting was about two weeks before the murders there mm -hmm. was a big family fight and the girls went to new bedford where the uncle lived Although he says he didn't see them, 
didn't get any letters from them, didn't talk to them. And then when they came back to town, Lizzie stayed at a hotel for four days. And then Emma leaves town again right away. And then hmm. the uncle comes to town. Yeah, that, to me, that, that's suspect. That's so suspect. And I know that uh, Quentin was making, we were talking early, he said that, uh, I guess, the uncle had made sure that people saw him boarding a trolley in the area and walking along the street so that he could try to secure an alibi. But, you know, anybody, I think, you know, especially if you've been, you know, involved in uh, criminal proceedings at all, I think it, it's easy to, and I, we were talking about this, it, it's the scenario where, and I can't remember which university did this experiment where they had a, a barrister um, that they were going to question at a coffee shop. And they had one of the students in this part, who's part of this experience, this experiment, sit in the coffee shop, grab a cup of coffee, sit there, drink it, and leave immediately. And afterwards, they asked her questions about him, and they said, well, he, he was suspect in a, a possible hacking crime, a computer crime and everything. And, you know, do you remember him being there? He was dressed in very bright clothing. So uh, they made sure that she at least noted him. And I remember them asking her questions like, well, could he have been there? Could he have possibly been there working on his laptop, working, you know, in as they suggested things and questioned her, she was like, oh, actually, now that I think about it, yeah, you know, I think, I think he could have been working on his laptop for, for a lot longer. And they later on had played back the security tape. He went, got his coffee, sat down, drank the coffee, and left. No laptop, nothing, not even a phone out. So as far as right. interrogating people for courts, when you have an alibi set up, it, it's people's rendition of, of occurrences or or, or people they have seen or people they remember, it can be highly unreliable and changing by simple suggestion. And I think that a lot of that is what happened. Testimony is the most unreliable testimony there is. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, so Karen, because I, I I think we're all on the same page. What, um, Mm -hmm. who would you telling everyone here, who would you believe um, did the murders, or how did it? How did the actual? What, what, how do you perceive the murders happened? Well, uh, one one thing that I think immediately to you, they got an awful word to say, struck me um, was that <laughs> <laughs> the first thing the coroner or doctor or whatever they were they had in that day for that mm-hmm. um, said, oh. When he looked at Abby, oh, this was done by this must have been done by a very tall man or a very tall intruder. Mm-hmm. Um, and and John Morse, the uncle, uh, their their Lizzie and Emma's mother, who had died when Lizzie was two, uh, was six feet tall. He he was sixty years old, but he was also referred to as being forty years old. In one of in one of the first newspaper articles, so and, and when you look at his picture, yeah, nothing very for that time, um, and and what men looked like. He was tall, kind of gray hair, kind of a gray beard. Yeah, okay, that's an anomaly in that time. So when people said, "Oh yeah, I saw him," oh yeah, I saw him. At this time and at that time, right? Um, yeah, yeah. That to me, that was really suspect. But there were things 
that, that he said, including uh, Emma and Lizzie had a, another sister named Alice. Alice died of hydrocephalitis at two, just under two years of age. Mm-hmm. And John Morse, the uncle, said in when he finally agreed to give his story to the Herald, as he put it, and he called it my story. He starts talking about the family and things that is done. Then he goes, but I'm getting ahead of my story. He was, so it was like he, he had practice for a story. He said they right. had a brother that died when he was three or four. So I'm not sure what kind of stress you have to be under to completely forget the sex of your dead sister's child that died but he got I mean he was wrong it it was a niece and she died at two not a nephew who died at three or four Um, which and and there were so there started to be things in his even the police report in the newspaper when they were asked they said that that John Morris had a had an overly detailed account of what he did that day he, Too detailed. He, he, yeah, everything. When mm-hmm. you read it, it's like, okay, at 1.35, I caught the train from New Bedford, and I arrived at or 12.35, and I arrived at 1.30 o'clock in town. I did this. I mean, everything is, well, 11.15, maybe it was 11.30, maybe 11.45, and then other people came in and said, no, they finally decided it was 11.20 when he had gone. He said that the day of the murder to visit his niece and nephew. And the niece's mother-in-law had talked about, oh, yeah, he was here. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was here. And what time did he leave? Oh, he left at 11.30. How do you know? And the police asked, how do you know he left at 11.30? You know, how did you fix that time? Oh, Somebody was sick and the doctor came over. And and when the doctor, he was leaving as the doctor came in. So did they see each other? No. Wow. That's it. Not, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You'd have to ask them. He might have seen him on the, on the sidewalk. He might have seen him as he went in. But no, they didn't see each other. So there was no other proof other than his relative's testimony that he had ever been there. Wow. Which was infallible to say the least, <laughs> which was fallible. I'm sorry, fallible yeah. to say the least. Yeah. Um, now I'm curious because um, now we talk and I, and I'm like, I, like Quentin said, I think we're all on the same page here where um, if I, if someone was to ask me, okay, so just what do you think happened? I think, I think Lizzie orchestrated it, got the help from John, sent Emma away because for some reason she either Emma didn't want to be involved or she didn't think Emma could handle being involved. Um, right. And I think that John probably killed the father. I think Lizzie took to the, to, I mean, John killed the mother. And I think Lizzie, I, I just, something inside of me just believes that Lizzie killed her father. Um, and I, and I don't know what, whether she was angry at him for marrying Abby, giving her the money, not sharing whatever her motives were. Um, because it just, like I said before, it seemed so personal. It just seemed personal, like really deep seated inside of you know, inside of her. And if you look at regular murderers out there, when they kill somebody, they just kill. 
if it was a worker on the docks, he would have come in, just killed killed uh, Andrew and killed oh, yeah. Abby and walked out. And sold but something, this was, which nobody right. did. But this was, I mean, they say his eye was split in half. There was nothing left to his face. And we've so delicately put it up on our uh, slideshow for everybody to see out there. <laughs> um, it's a yeah, rated R, so that's fine. Pretty, pretty bad. Um, so, I mean, you know, short of someone being able to come up and definitively saying it was Miss Peacock with a candlestick in the library, um, you know, I just, to me, that just seems like the most logical conclusion to all this. And, and I think um, I was reading somewhere where they actually compared her trial uh, as the O.J. Simpson trial of her time. Um, yeah, and I, I, I read that too, right. Right. Um, the, the only thing I, I think is that John and Andrew, the uncle and, the, and, and Mr. Borden, were in business mm-hmm. together in the beginning. Okay. And then someone talked John into, for some reason, uh, John, and this is even after, this went on after the um, first, after Lizzie and Emma's mother had died. And then he moved away. And then he moved to, he moved to Colorado. And then he moved to Iowa and bred horses and stuff. Um, but then he moved back to New Bedford, which was fairly close to Falls River. And mm-hmm. then he goes and finds out that Andrew, who's his best friend, or he's Andrew's best friend, is giving away expensive and valuable property to the stepmother's family. Right. And the mother-in-law of the niece actually described him as, oh, yes, he, he looks well-to-do. I don't know if he actually is. You know, so... So in terms of the the violence and the anger, I can actually see the uncle. Um, they had he had come to discuss some business supposedly. That's why he was staying at their hut. One of the reasons he had come to Falls River that at that time of the murders. But he had come to discuss some business matters. He even says that with Andrew, they had mm-hmm. some business matters to discuss. And if right. those didn't if those went sideways. I can, you know, and if they had been for a while and then the girls go two weeks earlier, this big fight and what was going on with the whole property thing. And then they go out and talk to the uncle at New Bedford and everybody just finally decides this is enough is enough. And the uncle says, tell you what, you know, if we have to, we have to let me try and talk to him about blank or, you know, whatever. Um, I can see the uncle being angry enough if I had been the business partner of a in-law and then I got shafted, we don't know exactly what happened right. when he left that partnership with Andrew mm-hmm. Gordon and stuff. I, I can see that being, I can certainly see Lizzie wanting and being perfectly okay with it. Oh yeah. I know, don't, I don't an anger point of view. Right. I, 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 I think it, the most, I think the most damning thing against the uncle <clears throat> is when we look at that he comes to town and, and we'll cover that detail in a minute, but we know that two weeks prior or whatever, um, Lizzie and her sister went out there and he claims I did not see them. Now, four weeks prior to the murder, he 
visited the Borden house then too. So in the past month, there was two different times previous to the trip that he could have encountered his nieces, um, whether visiting them four weeks earlier or them going out there two weeks earlier. He claims, I have not seen Lizzie in three to four months. But he just visited three to four weeks earlier, which he says, I didn't see her while I was there. We know that they, she went out there during this time period, and he goes, well, I didn't see her then either, which is, it's funny, the, the damning part is he's building up a wall of defense for something. Yeah. yeah, before he's even accused or even suggested right. that he conspired with her, which tells you he probably did then. If he's thinking they're going to think I conspired. Um, and I think, you know, his stories, his, his testimony gets a little funny. Um, the night that he arrived, he claimed, I, you know, I arrived. Um, I came in, I had no luggage, um, I had some lunch, did this, did that, then I left for the whole afternoon. I return at 8.30 in the evening, I go to the front door, I ring the bell, Mrs. Borden comes to the door, lets me in, I go in, I have dinner alone, I sit in the sitting room with them, she goes to bed, we sit a little while longer, he goes to bed, I go to bed. Lizzie came in at some point, but I didn't see her. She was in the other room, Mm -hmm. she went upstairs to her room was in bed before I went to bed. I got up the next morning. She was still in bed. We still did not see each other. I left and didn't see her till after the murders. But then he says when he left that Mr. Borden walked him to the back door. He left through the screen door. Mr. Borden unlatched the screen door, let him out, then latched the screen door, hooked it. He says he re-hooked the latch onto the screen door after I left. Now, when he tells his story of where he was during that time, he doesn't take the streetcar back to the street they lived on, the main, or the main road there. He takes right. it farther, beyond to another street, and then kind of zigzag down this kind of like alleyway, so kind of backtracking, and then expects to come in through the back door. Now, the night earlier, even after being you know, arrived at the house and he's already a guest at the house, when he comes back at one point, he still rings the bell and comes in through the main door. So why would he be going to the informal back door now? And he knew that the door was latched by Mr. Borden after he left. So, assumably, the back door is going to be locked. And why mm. would you come the back way? Like it because just, it was unlocked it, for him. Hmm. I'm telling you. Um, part of it was telling you she pairs. did it. Yeah, he stopped yeah. and had pears in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Lizzie said in one of her stories of what she was doing during the murders she was in the back having pears right so they what did you guys do discuss what's in the backyard you could possibly be doing right (laughs) you oh well we could say we're eating pears okay i'll use that one don't forget i'm using that one okay and then exactly forgets and uses that one (laughs) well what were you doing when your parents were bludgeoned to death oh i was eating pears in the back yeah, I was just yep out looking for fishing lures or whatever they were fishing. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and I, and I think right. his the idea that in all these different encounters they did not see each other, and that right. he arrives, one of them goes out of town before he gets there, the other one goes upstairs to her room and basically ignores the fact that he's even downstairs in the parlor and goes upstairs and doesn't see him, and she's not home when he gets there. It just, it just seems so odd that that would, if that life. was truly it. You know, they, they run out to where the uncle lives. They run to the t- They have a big family blow-up 
and they run to where the uncle lives. But he, but they mm-hmm. don't see him. They're only other family that has anything to do with them or cares about them at all, but they don't see them. You know? Well, that's because they had their eyes shut. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if, if we just shut our eyes, we can honestly say that. Yeah. That's true. You know, and, and, and I think that piece of evidence that they went out there right. all upset about something and then returned, and two weeks later he shows up, and now they're dead. Um, it, it's so very damning. I know. And the fact that they lived there, they lived in the house, all three of them, during the trial. And, well, you know, while after this had gone on, after all of this stuff had happened, they lived in that house for a while together. And I'm like, if, if my parents were murdered bloody the way it was and everything else in that house, and I, I don't know that I yeah. can live in that house. And I, and I think that's the- just. Or, or she could have, or they just all could have been completely, you know, psychopathic or sociopathic, which, well, they were that. Absolutely. Um, you know, they, one of the theories is that Lizzie, um, because there was a question of how would you go down to the parlor? Now, if you're not familiar, for those that are listening, you can look mm-hmm. at the blueprints online. There's the front hall, the sitting room, the dining room, and then kind of behind the front hall is the parlor. Um, right. And he was murdered in the parlor on a couch right near the door. And through that doorway is the dining room, but kind of kitty corner from that doorway is the door out of the dining room into the sitting room. And there was blood splattered all the way over to there. So we know that the blood splattered, but when you, when you look at it, they say that, you know, for Lizzie not to have been covered in it, she must have stripped naked. Yes completely naked middle of the afternoon in the house when the uncle because we're going by the theory that she killed them and mm-hmm. blah 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 for using that theory she strips naked the maid is upstairs the um, the uncle could walk in at any time and she's stark naked in the middle of the house bludgeoning someone with an axe hoping no one hears this and right. that then she will run bathe wash it out of her hair scrub the blood off of her scrub down the tub or whatever she's cleaning herself in Put her clothes back on, and no one will be the wiser. But my my biggest argument to this has always been, besides the ludicrousness, but her hair. If, well, what if she if, had it covered? But then you had, but then you got to get rid of something. That's a, you know, what yes, was the point of stripping also, down naked? But she was also menstruating, supposedly. Oh, so well, that could have why she killed them. Yeah, so she could have. Well, no wonder why. <laughs> Um, well, they, one of the theories I've, is that she she was able to hide the bloody pieces of, of cloth or whatever, anything that had blood on it with her rags, so that no one would even question it. How um, Wow. She needed to see a gynecologist for surgery at the, then. Yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah. right? Right? But in the Victorian age, they would have been probably like, oh, okay. Yeah, well, okay, you know, I, we I look at it, though, and I think... What really happens with women, so we're going to run the other right. way. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if she had to scrub herself down, you know, had to get all the blood off of her, you know, I I think to myself, there's there's no way your hair is going to look well put together, and they they the neighbor said that Lizzie had no blood on her, her clothing had no blood, and then she was questioned, was her hair tidy? And she said yes, her hair was was well organized or something to the effect hmm. that it was not must, and. Uh, I know that if she had to get any blood out of her hair, 
Oh, yeah, you would have to scrub she that. She would have had to undo it, yeah. take it down, wash mm-hmm. it out, and they didn't have blow dryers. <laughs> right. You know, she, yeah, that, you you know, she would have had to about, add to the story. Yeah, well, Quentin, when you say about um, her uh, blood being naked to kill her, her parents, um, and that, you know, her uncle could come home, and the maid was in the house and all that, and she had a tenant had come by earlier, a man that worked for them, and, and to get paid. So it sounds like people came over there. People showed <laughs> yeah. up over there. And, um, you know, looking up and they're looking at you in the window and you're caught with an axe in your hand and you're naked, naked. and you've got a bucket <laughs> over your head to not mess up your hair. <laughs> and you can't explain that away. Well, no, exactly. <laughs> and Yeah. And it, it just seems, you know, now with, with Mrs. Borden, something that we should point mm-hmm. out is, they they have made it clear that you know she she was next to the bed in the mm-hmm. guest room that the uncle was staying in. Now you may say, well, I guess it could have been anyone or whatever, but not really. If you think about it, if you're standing in your guest room making the bed, the door is to your right, a mirror is to your left. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to see whoever's coming in this room, and if it is someone other than the person who is staying in that room or in this case, Lizzie, the only other resident of the house, Mm -hmm. you know, or or the maid, I suppose, but we kind of can pretty safely assume the maid didn't do it, but we're, you know. um, But can we? We're not going down that avenue. It had to either Uh, be the uncle or Lizzie that walked into mm -hmm. the room because she didn't react. She didn't, you know, try and run away. She didn't carry on. She didn't even fight this person off. This was someone that she felt safe you know, just going about her business with them in the room. Like, if a stranger walked in or someone you didn't know, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to not you're react. Pop so up. she, yeah. Yeah. She knew whoever she was in the room with her. to be there. Emma and Lizzie's household chores included cleaning the guest room if anyone stayed in it. And yet, Abby was, the, was in there. And they made, they did state that in one of the newspaper clippings that she, she was in there. And there was no reason for it. She's the mistress of the house. She didn't need to make up the guest bedroom. So I kind of thought, well, if the uncle says something about, you know, I think Lizzie might be thinking of stealing something from me, or I don't trust that Bridget girl. She was looking through my things. I'm sure she was. Or, you know, the last time I was here, someone came in my room to clean it, and now I'm missing blank. Um, Interesting. Abby, would you clean it this morning for me? Would you, you know, would you do that for me? And she just said, sure, yeah, no problem. I don't have any other life. And that would also explain why she had no defensive wounds. He could have just, he could just walk into the room. Right. She was struck first facing the assailant, and it was a downward blow that, went like into above her ear mm-hmm. so Lizzie would have had to jump off the bed or <laughs> to something fly to off get it. that downward a blow to right. split her skull and she then but if Lizzie would have stood there with an axe handle mm-hmm. I, I really don't think she could get it high enough in the air before Abby could at least punch her, push her Try and right, run, yeah. scream something. That makes sense. But I can see where a six-foot man could. 
Yeah. If he Overpower got it behind easily. his back. Mm-hmm. Well, Karen, you asked me earlier how how in? tall was Lizzie Borden. Yeah. Um, Lizzie Borden was five feet four inches tall. Oh, so really? She was short. So, so I've got she maybe maybe an inch on her. Yeah, that's that's not tall at all. You'd have to, like you said, leap off the bed to get that angle down. So. Yeah. But, um, okay. Yeah. Oh, I didn't so, realize she was that, and that's, and she was thirty-seven years, thirty-six or thirty-seven. I mean. She was in her late 30s, or 35, but then she was kind of stout, 35, but she could get her arm high enough to make it the assumption immediately for the coroner right. to be, oh, it was a tall man. It was a tall intruder, a tall man who was an intruder or something. It just, it, it just, I can just see the, the uncle walks in. Abby's in there cleaning like she's supposed to be because he's asked her to, and she turns right. around and says, "That oh, makes sense." God, what are you doing here? Whomp. That's it. Yeah, and, and like I said, you know, when you look at the trial transcripts, mm-hmm. remember, Quentin, we looked at the picture of Mrs. Borden's body and the fact that no one could have snuck up on her because the mirror was right there. Yeah, I mean, she was still, you, yeah. It, it's so odd, and, and I've always questioned, you know, maybe, you know, was she really murdered in that exact spot, or did someone just shove her there, like, this will be a good spot where they won't see her for a while, because it, it's so awkward the way she's positioned, you know, she's she's kind of like, uh, right behind mm-hmm. the bed, perfect, like, it was the perfect spot to get her, because she couldn't get away from you, she was kind of trapped in there, mm-hmm. um, now, when it comes to the hatchet, I have to say, Bridget, the maid, said that when the, the police came, she took them to the cellar where she showed them a box of hatchets. They had, you know, a, a whole bunch of them down there for chopping wood. Um, and they they assumed that one in particular was the one that did the murder. And one policeman said it did have a handle. The other said it did not have a handle. And then the story was, well, it was the handle was, was there, but it wasn't attached. And another one said, no, the handle must have been burned. And they they really kind of blurred the story on this, and, and and they say, well, based on the size of the wounds, this must have been it. But but in reality, it could have just been your standard size, and that particular one matched it, you know. So I I question, do they really have anything that proved that was the murder weapon, or was it right. just right? Yeah. Well, I don't yeah. think anything was really so, proved in this trial at all, though, and I think that's the problem. I, I That's why it leads me to believe that it, the whole trial was set up as a circus to draw media attention. They they found this as they're like goose that, that laid the golden egg to really draw, you know, more popularity to Fall River. Mm-hmm. And look at it today. Today, it's a worldwide destination. It, it, people are obsessed <laughs> with it. Seriously. So they're making hand, money very, hand over I'm fist just now. I'm because that, that's so true. And if you read – the newspaper mm-hmm. articles that were written back then, besides right. some of the worst writing I've ever seen, um, <laughs> th- when they were talking oh, yeah. about the first, when the police came upon the scene and they said in, in three sentences, they used the description owl-like four times in three sentences, you know, which is just a faux pas. But anyway, um, right. but they, it was very sensationalized writing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, like I don't a circus know. I entertain- haven't like read a-, a lot of, but you know what I mean? I don't, haven't read a lot of right. newspapers back then, but wow. 
Oh, absolutely. It was just like I said, I don't think they ever intended to convict anybody, tell you the truth. I think they just want to make it a media sensation. It was a 13-day trial, and I think that they saw an opportunity, and the town people said, you know what? This is something that is going to put us on the map, bring money into our town, bring tourism to this town, and really ensure that Fall River Mass stays on the, on the map forever. And it has. To this day, people flock you know, like almost as if on a pilgrimage to the Lizzie Borden house. Um, and, 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 and in the succeeded. meantime, they got rid of that annoying Borden couple. Exactly. Two birds. They didn't, I don't think anyone cared about them at all. No, I don't think, I don't think they did either. I think they were kind of, you know, people just lowbrowed them and were just kind of, ooh, you know. And I, and I think that yeah. you're right. I think that, you know, because if you look during the trial, it says that, you know, the, the elites and the socialites um, supported Lizzie Borden during the trial. But the minute she was acquitted, they ostracized her. It was uh-huh. like, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to be there for you until it's all over, and then we're done. We got what we wanted, yeah. what we needed, so we're done. And it just seems too And convenient. we're not going to look out really for because we don't even care if we find someone who did it. Exactly. Exactly. We don't need it anymore. Right, and they don't, and now they've got themselves a gold mine, and it's going to keep going that way. Okay, so we're down to about 10 minutes left of the segment, and uh, I'm just, so if you had to sum this up, if you had to, to say, okay, I am going to be the official voice on this, and I'm going to tell you exactly what I think happened from start to finish, and if you had to just make it like a, a start to finish storyline, what would it be? Be as gory as you want to. That. We're rated R, so. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> that um, we have two sisters who never marry, whose mother dies, and they, within three years, dad puts a queen where the princesses wanted to be. And the king starts giving the queen all the goodies and the princesses get pretty darn upset about that and since the one is a little on the maniacal side um and and they talk they start to say a few things to their uncle who's the only real relative they can turn to because their mother's dead so that whole family has been pushed away because he remarried and here's the uncle who's his, whose dad's supposed best friend, and they've been in business together and stuff. So he's still safe to talk to and everything, but you start grumbling, and then you bring up, so what did you get out of that settlement when you quit being partners with dad in that fantastic furniture business that has made him millions? Well, they're millions now, but that has made him thousands right. And uncle says, well, I, I didn't really get much out of it. I got some horses, I guess, in the end. And now I work for somebody else. And I kind of, yeah, okay, you're right. It sucks. Um, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. They get angrier. And then there's a big blowout. And they go to New Bedford and say, okay, uncle, John, you know, Emma falls asleep. Lizzie takes Uncle John aside and says, "We this has got to stop, and we'll cut you in, no problem. And you deserve this, too. And we deserve this. Because when Dad married our mom, he had nothing. 
and she would have benefited if she would have mm-hmm. lived, not that woman. And we, I, I think that we could do this. And, and I think if, and, and John, loving his nieces very much, says, you, you can't kill anyone. You're, you're, it won't work. You're not, you're only 5'4". No offense to people who are 5'4". But you're only 5'4", and, and you, you're, you're going to surprise her, and she's going to beat the crap out of you like she used to do when you were a kid. So I'll do that. Let's work out a plan and a story. And, and it went from there. And I think that um, Lizzie took a lot of drugs. <laughs> she took a lot of morphine. For her nerves, right. bless her, bless her heart. Um, I guess you know, but and and he knew that too. He knew she was awful flighty, and that the best defense they had was her being drugged and flighty. So it's okay, Lizzie. Right. I'll kill him, but you be the nut job. Right, I'm she sure does the image. You yeah. because yeah, mm-hmm. Emma's going to be out of town, so you go ahead and be the nut job. And keep them focused on that. They'll never right. convict you because there'll be no real evidence because you won't really do it. That's you know. And I, 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 I question and, yeah. if I question if the thought process there was to you're a five foot four chubby girl. They're not gonna. Who would ever think that you took an axe and violently bludgeoned them to death? Don't worry, mm-hmm. you're not gonna. You be the crazy one, you're and you'll never be convicted. Right, yeah. and it was all male jury too. Crazy girl, yeah. Right, well, it was all male jury who had no intention of convicting. Yeah. And sentencing her to death. Yeah, they wouldn't have done. Right, and she was like on I her said, period. You can't sentence a woman to death <laughs> on her period. <laughs> I know. I'm saying it. It was a setup, and and I, I think you. I. Yeah, I think the town took in and said, you know what, we can use this. We can make money on this. This is gonna this is gonna bankroll us for the rest of time. And she is, she's infamous. And I think that they succeeded. I think it succeeded all the way around. I think everybody got what they wanted and you know, everybody was happily ever after. Afterwards and the town got together and said, Hey, listen, if you stay, we'll kinda be nice to you sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so she exactly. and Emma wanted to and you know, Emma wanted and I think that her and Emma had that fight in 1905 where she moved out and they never, they never spoke again. They right. lived together their whole lives. And then something yeah. so bad is said, so unforgivable. And I think that they started, that Lizzie got a little tired of Emma being, I didn't do it. I never right. did that. Mm-hmm. I was out of Well, town. you knew about it, so... But exactly. that's not the same as doing it. Is no, it? it's not. <laughs> no. I'm a very good I, person, and we're, they were very church-going women, and I'm going to heaven, Lizzie. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where you're going. <laughs> She's going that, everywhere. I where that, that would have, you had to grow up how I did. Um, but, yeah, I can just see how that would have just driven. I mean, if I had had to go through what Lizzie did right. before, during, and after, and then my sister, who benefited, but didn't have to get her hands dirty at all, got a little pious on me. Oh, yeah. And you almost have to it. think to yourself that, that Lizzie, to some extent, 
probably harbored a bit of resentment towards the sister. Like if, imagine if you will, that you and your sister plot this out and she gets to be the one that stays out of town while you now spend the next year of your life being accused of murder and this, that, and the other thing. And, and then it essentially ruins you for life. You're wealthy in the end, but it kind of ruins your reputation. And, and she's just, well, the poor, innocent babe, she was out of town. And I, I would think to some extent, you'd think, you know what? I worked for this money. You did nothing. Mm-hmm. You went exactly. out of town and I took the blame of it. I was called names. I've been ridiculed. They made up rhymes about me, for God's sake. <laughs> That's <know>? right. <laughs> so yeah. you could imagine that and, over and, all those years, it probably whittled. And that's usually how it and happens. Guilt, it usually grows. And, and the guilt. Yeah. I mean, you got to admit, I mean, you can't have your parents' skulls thrown out in court in front of you unexpectedly. Right. And, and not, not feel, feel something. a little bad. Right. And if you end. don't feel anything, I mean, if there's nothing inside of you at that point, then, you know, there might be something wrong with you. But, I mean, you, you know, you and know the end, that when they pull out that head, that skull, and those mm-hmm. big eye sockets are staring back at you, Oh, yeah. I'm sure if she committed that murder, the first thing she thought is, oh, God, he's looking at me, you know. Exactly. That, you know, and that's a good point. That's something that, you know, I guess a lot of people just don't think about, you know. But uh, in the end, you know, it, it, it's sad to say, and, and this is horrible to say it like this, but in the end, it just seems like everybody got what they wanted. and Everybody won. Yeah. Everybody won. Exactly. Absolutely. Everybody won except except Andrew and Abby, well, but everybody won. Well, yeah. Yeah. Although they have to be remembered forever, and I'm willing to bet right. Andrew wanted his legacy to live on. And, and in a no, way, it, it, it was under his daughter, but, you know. But I, I think um, that, uh, yeah, Quinn, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so, I mean, I, I guess in closing, what we can say is, we may never be able to prove who did or did mm-hmm. not do it, but I think we can all safely say that we have proven that whoever did it knew him personally, yes, hated him with their utmost fiber of their being, yeah. and that whoever killed Great. Abby hated her and was tall. <laughs> <laughs> with a wicked right hook. Absolutely. Well, exactly. No questions asked. Um, oh, but I'm fun. So I, I know, Diana, we have a tiny bit of, you and I have a little bit of time left at the end of the show to just discuss and talk about upcoming shows and blah, blah, blah. Yes. Um, um, but Karen, thank you for joining us. This has been really great. And um, thank you. we'd love to have you back on again. Um, so if, if that's something you'd be interested, you know, just, you know, we're, we'll reach out to you and get you back on and maybe we'll, we played around doing a, a show about female serial killers, so, you know, we'll reach out to you again. But um, also, feel free, if you have any kind of links or websites you want to share, feel free to share them on our Stackhouse Radio Facebook page or Twitter. Um, we'd love to okay. have you do that. And um, uh, we so definitely so hope much. to have you on. Yes. Karen, I'd just to ask to do you real quick, do you, do you still have your, do, do you still have your Etsy site and stuff like that? Yeah, and I'll be having um, a web page because I do art stuff. Okay, yeah, feel free um, to share that on the page too. 
Okay. Well, Karen, I think you should write a Lizzie Borden murder book about what we've talked about. I think you could put yeah. together a real good one. I Absolutely. That would be wonderful. To like, I don't know who, Discovery ID or something, you know, that murder channel, which I don't, haven't had TV in so long. I can't remember which one it is. But, um, and, and see if, yeah, get a little interest sparked up and get everybody talking about it more. Yeah, at least mm-hmm. different angles, you know, that'd be, that'd be great. But, um, but yes, but thanks for being on the show. Uh, this has been really, really in- interesting. Um, a lot of things, I think we got farther than the jurors did. <laughs> oh, yeah. We spent as much yeah, time on it. Working on it. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like um, I said, reach, um, reach out to our page, put your links up there, um, share your info up there, whatever info you'd like to share, feel free. And we will definitely reach out to you and have you on again. Okay. Karen, I'll give you a ring after we're done wrapping up here. All right. Thank you. I'll talk to you then. Okay, care, everyone. (laughs) Thank you, Karen. Bye, Karen. Bye-bye. Okay. So I know that was a topic I think we all enjoyed. Um, I know know you and I have talked about it a lot. Right. Um, And, again, thank you to Karen for being on the show. Um, That was really, really interesting. Definitely uh, different uh, viewpoints of things. That's like a three-hour show. I mean, we could talk on that for oh, hours with the, the, the minute details from stains on a dress that may or may not have been burned or may not have been blood and could have been stew or could have just right. been an excuse for lady stains, seeing as, hmm. you know, but uh, the I, lady I thought it was like that uh, lady stains. Lady Stains. Um, that was a, a very enjoyable show. I think we, I think we're all very passionate about that subject. Yes. Um, you know, I'm glad we took a swing and, at it. And I, yeah. <laughs> we took a swing and hit our mark. Exactly. <laughs> and this um, time I wasn't sucking on coffee. I was drinking water, and it didn't oh sound like God. I was I thought you said something bomb. else there for a second. I, no, <laughs> you were. We were still doing it. It must be something oh else. God. I kept you, hearing it. You, I was going to tell you me? later. I was going to make you were drinking coffee, weren't you? But you, you weren't. Hear me drinking? So. Yeah, I keep hearing, I think you might, I don't know, do you bump the microphone or do you bump whatever the microphone's oh, attached to or? You know what? I had, I had to move it a couple of times. So that's what it is. Okay. So for those of you that are listening and you hear that sound every now and then, that is not Diana doing a bump. But it does sound a bit like it because you'll just hear. Or is it? I'll never tell. Oh, when you said sucking coffee, I thought you <laughs> sucking, sucking cock. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, yes, we are I explicit. Like to do that we can while say that. We're we're ready oh to go. So you know what? If, if, if we ha- we haven't dropped any f bombs, not one fucking f. Well, fuck. I know, right? Um, so, <laughs> but that but, was a lot uh, of fun. No, I, um, let's first off, let's give out our email address here. Um, anybody who's listening in the archives or downloading the episode, um, anytime you want to reach out, whether you have a show idea, um, you have a comment, feel free to comment all over our pages. Um, Stackhouse Radio on Facebook, and it's I believe it's at Stack Radio on Twitter. Uh, but the links are all there on the Blog Talk page. So we're Stackhouse Radio on Blog Talk Radio. And our email address you can contact us at is Radio Stackhouse at gmail.com again that's radio stackhouse at gmail.com you can also message us on facebook as well um so feel free to do that like i said if you have a show idea if there's something you'd like to talk about 
um, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. So, Quinn, really quick, a test. I want you to tell me what you hear. Yep, I, I hear the bong sound. Right there? Yep. Yep. Right okay, there. that's me moving the that's me moving the mic around. Okay, that was me. <laughs> not smoking a bong. <laughs> First off, I'm not a dirty hippie. <laughs> um, so marijuana makes you know, dirty. With the, <laughs> with the Q&A, I'm kidding. I'm, I mean, kidding. We, I'm joking. I'm joking. Well, um, uh, uh, you know, currently, I, I mean, you and I have no questions. We don't have anyone asking questions in the chat or anything at the moment, but. Um, uh, I will I say, do have a question. Um, I have a question. Uh-huh. How terrible is forensics today? I mean, you just can't get away with anything. Well, what do you mean? Oh, oh, you mean, oh, I thought you meant like the forensic <laughs> teens. Oh, yeah. No, you can't. You cannot get away with anything. If you so much as farted in the room that a murder happened, and they'll know about it. that. I know. You know what's funny? Like, I'll be sitting in the around. car with the window down, right. and I'll be, like, playing with my hair, and, like, a couple strands will come out. And so I'll, mm-hmm. like, flick them out the window. And I'm like, oh, great. They'll find a body there someday. Three of my <laughs> hair strands will be caught on a branch. And they'll be like, oh, Quentin Tiffany's hair is here. He must have done it. Like, you know, when you do that, you think, oh, God, I'm leaving DNA. What if there's a dead body behind that bush? I'm, I'm telling you, know. there's always a dead body behind the bush. Uh, well, always. <laughs> Literally, where I live, there was. There was on the main, the main road through here. Apparently, it laid there for quite some time. It was just behind the bush. Oh, wow. I had a friend well, of you, mine, you know. and, and if she listens in, she'll know who she is. But not, And I may not be getting the story right, but I remember her taking a walk around where she lived uh, back in Connecticut. And she walked up, and there in the tree was a guy hanging, just a corpse hanging from a tree. Like a guy had committed suicide, and no one found him for like a while. So, and... Whew. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not, oh, I mean, and before everybody sends us hate mail, but if you are sending us hate mail, it's radiostackhouse at gmail.com, and we do read it out loud on the air. But anyways, if I had found a dead body, I, I'm, I can't say 100% that I wouldn't poke it with a stick. <laughs> well, that's quite awful. Um, I, I just you can't know. say that I wouldn't at least poke it a little bit. <laughs> So, so something I'd like to, to talk about is um, mm-hmm. upcoming episodes. Um, as we're still kind of planning out our schedule, and of course we're moving into the Halloween season, so mm. we will hit the um, frenzy or- peak. I'm already there, honey. Well, I know, but you know, once we get into October, it will be it will just be a frenzy, yeah. forensic, a frenzied um, a time of of, uh, of Halloweenish things. As you know, after we were very into the paranormal. Um, I think that oh, uh, I know we have talked. Do you know what I did? Do you know what I did Monday? What? I got a pumpkin spice latte. You know, if it wouldn't hurt our listeners' ears, I'd scream and drop to the floor. Um, <laughs> A pumpkin spice latte. It was Look delicious. She's turned pumpkin basic. Pumpkin delicious. I did. I turned to I mean, the basic was bitch. it at least like... Oh, well, no. I, did I you at least like... Milk. Did you throw it at a few children at some point while it was still hot or something? No, I but I know. still tell yeah. misbehaved children who are running around in stores that a, the demon under their bed is going to eat their souls in the middle of the night. And I don't care what the parents say. Watch well, at least kids. you're telling them the truth. Right. Um... <laughs> So for our upcoming episodes, I know you, you said uh, female serial killers is when you want to do. Just some ideas, um, too, you know what? 
Well, if you guys have any great ideas, um, let us know. If you tell us that you want us to discuss um, the history of postage stamps, we're not doing that episode, or at least I'm not doing that episode. Diane, are you a flatalist or whatever the word is? Flatulist? What? A flatalist or whatever they're called. A flatalist? No. No. I'm Um, a flannelist when it becomes colder. I, uh, <laughs> you live in Mississippi. It doesn't get cold there. It stays hot but and swampy. I, yes, but I'm a New Englander. I'm from New England, born and raised well, yeah. proudly. Um, and, and I still wear the flannels in winter. Where the words flannel and butternut are acceptable fall and winter terms. Um, yes. So uh, one of them that I know we've talked a little bit about, and I'm not going to say the person's name, but there's a, a famous home in England that she has done a lot of interviews, and I have not gotten a hold of her yet, but I am attempting to get a hold of her to see if we can if we can get her on to tell her story. Um, we, I think, especially the Halloween season, we do love a good ghost story, but mm-hmm. I personally, you know how I am, and I think you're the same way, it has to have some depth to it. Like, give me the yeah. reason the headless specter is wandering the grounds at night for the past 120 right. years. I want a good story, yeah. you know. I want to sip my pumpkin spice latte and listen to this story. (laughs) The story can't be stupid. Stupid. (laughs) Uh, Um, For those of you who don't know what we're saying when we're talking about Mm. stupid, it's because you didn't listen to our show for years. No, you didn't. But anyways, um, go to Blog Talk Radio if you're listening in or if you're on the Facebook page at Stackhouse Radio Facebook page. uh, There's a link to the Blog Talk Radio page, our Stackhouse Radio page. And if you click there and you click episodes, you can actually listen to all of our archived um, episodes from years back. And I'd say between uh, the Stackhouse Radio platform and their station and Another station we used to work off of, um, and I'm not sure if it's correct to say the station we worked off of, or I don't think it matters. We, we actually were broadcasters with Kathy's Distant Echoes. I'd say between the two of us doing all that between 10 to 15 years each uh, that we've been doing this now. I think is that safe? We have been doing it quite some time. Yes. And I, I think I'd, between I'd say, the two of us we have. Yeah, something, I'd say something to the effect of You've been doing it a lot longer than I have. Mm. Um, well, you know, um, well, I think about, well, I mean, apart from blog talk, I know we, we've done, we both separately have done other things mm-hmm. broadcasting right. wise and whatnot. Um, right. But, you know, I, I, I really hope that listeners, I hope we'll get someone who comes forward and says, you know, I have a really great, uh, a great story. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we like them. We like them. Yeah. It could um, be kitschy. It could be something campy. It could be anything really uh, not postage stamps, but you know, the Halloween. Unless, is, unless you know, it is a story about poisoned postage stamps uh, intentionally yeah. done. That's mm-hmm. a different philatelist kind of story. Daddy, would you lick this stamp for me? Why, certainly. <laughs> Had he only picked the British stamp, that one was flavored like gumdrop. <laughs> um, it's a win, loser, draw situation, Daddy. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. But keep in tune. Uh, we will post new shows. 
we may end up doing a few a week or one a week, and um, we will definitely keep you guys updated. So, again, log on to Blog Talk Radio. Look for Stackhouse Radio. Go to Facebook. Go to Twitter. We're all over the place. We're like, we're like um, a bad rash. We show up everywhere. Now, how, how are Wednesdays for you? I know we were, we were doing Thursday. Do we want to go back to Thursdays? Do we want to stay on Wednesdays? Oh, I can do, do we, Wednesdays, uh, Thursdays, Tuesdays, Mondays, Fridays. I'll do five um, days a week. I, and and for and for guests that are potentially listening right now, um, if if you have a particular particular day or time, we're uh, we're pretty happy to accommodate. Yep. We will adjust. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Just for you. Yeah, we will um, work around your schedule. Uh, but yeah, if you've got a good macabre story, if it's a a nice mm-hmm. creepy tale, or you know, I love a I I know you don't as much. And I don't say that I always buy into them, but I will listen to them attentively and have questions. A good conspiracy theory, and I'm not talking government ones like, you know, Washington, D.C. was laid out to look like this, that, and the other thing. Heard them all. It's great, wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but give me a good conspiracy theory. Give me something juicy. Mm-hmm. Like, give me, like, conspiracies on, uh, what's it, uh, uh, not, not heritage, what's like the word Sas- I'm looking for? Like Sasquatch is really a crazy libertarian living in the woods affecting the elections. Or give me something like uh, Superstition Mountain stories. Or, Ooh, you know, yes. I love a good story like that. And, and I think we, we really love that. And if you, have, if, if you don't have a good story, but you know of an author or someone who wrote a story or has a good story that you've heard mm-hmm. shared somewhere else, Tell us about them so we can find them and put them in or a sack are the and bring them to, to. We'll bring them to Stackhouse Radio Studio and we will poke them with a stick. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, It'll be a pointy so yeah, stick. Um, it will. It will. The pointy um, end. The pointy end. You poke them in the eye. Um, <laughs> now, as as most of you know, the uh, the weekends of October. Uh, I usually work at Haunted House, so I will be working um, at them again. So I'll have some good customer stories for you. Um, oh, yeah. As you, as it always helps me get into the, the spirit of things. Quite literally. Nice, nice. Um, and we'll have to put some posts, some uh, pictures up of you in costume. That would be interesting. Yes. I will yep. uh, I will be working at Bradley Farms this year. It's called the uh, Phantom Nights Bradley Farms in Southport, hmm. New York. And Quentin's near gonna the town share that. Elmira. And he's gonna yes, share I that will. link for you on the Stackhouse Radio Facebook page. Yes. And not just do we have a haunted house, we have an outdoor haunted trail that even goes through the cornfield. You have to go through the cornfield mm. at some point. And don't get, don't we have zombie paintball. Zombie paintball. They take you out that. on these big these these big wagons. One is actually a military truck, and it has uh, right. mounted, uh, mounted, uh, uh, what do you call it, paintball guns, and you shoot the zombies in the field as you're driven through. <laughs> so, uh, it yes, I haven't done it yet. I kind of want to, like, just I want to do it once so I can say I did. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely I'll be giving you guys some updates on that, well, and I will be glad to show you. Diana saw my hair today. Uh, how I'm yes, doing the hair and the beard. Well, did you did you like it? <laughs> I did. I thought it was good. I thought it was well. I've got a power. And also, just bit. to let people know, um, if you want to paintball zombies, you don't have to go to the haunted field. You can go to the mall, local diner, kids walking around the street. They're they're pretty much all zombies now. So, oh my! I mean, aim for their phones though, just to piss <laughs> them off. 
Um, but Kids, I, this you is know, why you don't walk with your face in your phone. So just remember, everyone, Halloween is just as important, if not more, than any other holiday, and you should oh, give it all of the spirit. Yeah, you should really pay great attention to it. You should really get into it, and and not just the trick or treat Halloween of it, the real Halloween, the real you know Samhain, the. Uh, Go old school. Put corpses at the dining room table. You know what's funny? I suggested because we're doing a boneyard theme this year, and I and I suggested that if we can't find the skeletons we need, well, there's, there's plenty of graveyards around. He's like, you are not digging up people to put in our front yard. I'm like, I was only kidding, not really. Um, I was going to say, I am kidding. Okay, if the police are listening, yes, I was kidding. Don't be stupid. Yes, not really. We are a we are a <laughs> bit of a, a we are a bit of campy comedy with our macabre. Mm. So uh, <laughs> so please, for anyone that's listening, if we're talking about killing people, digging up corpses, oh or putting them at the not dining today. room table, you can't joke? joke like that today. You can't I mean, joke like that, Chase. Um, so I also decided this evening, Diana, that you and I are Adina and Patsy. Oh my god. Your pet. I haven't had I haven't had solid food since the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> and this particular episode is the one where she goes, I did have that crisp. <laughs> well, there was one episode where she has a chip and she puts it in her mouth and she goes and she doesn't know what to do with it. Um, but I think that you are Patsy and I'm Fashadina. <laughs> Oh, nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I'm the raging, well, you, I'm the raging alcoholic. Well, I think that both alcoholics just, Patsy's more, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I, that's totally us. So when, for those of you She's that are wondering, <laughs> for those of you that are wondering when you're like, oh, I wonder what these two are like in person. That's pretty much us. Um, yes. We're just funnier. And can I tell you, when I listen to these episodes and I hear what I sound like, I sound like such a queen. <laughs> I do. No, I listen to them and I'm like, oh. I'm like, who's that bitchy old queen doing the show with Diana? No, oh, it's me. And then I realize, my God, it's me. I just, <laughs> that's me. I sound like a bitchy old queen. No, the best queen moment was when we were doing the show, and I forget which one it was, that all of a sudden Quentin starts screaming and yelling, going, ah! A bee must have flown into the house, or a wasp, or something. You were like, "Oh my god!" It was a bull-faced hornet. It was hilarious. I couldn't breathe. It was awesome. Well, listen, we're going it was to awful. about. It was funny as shit. It was awesome. He was trying I to sent, kill I sent, me. I sent that wasp over just to like you know liven up the show. By the way, oh, you probably did, you bitch. <laughs> um, now well, I have listen, to tell you. Gonna... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I forget. It's not just the, uh, us on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, we're getting down to the end here um, to where we're running out of time. So remember, tune into the uh, Stackhouse Radio page on Facebook, uh, Stackhouse Radio page on Twitter. Go to Blog Talk Radio, Stackhouse Radio page, and um, all the links are there for the shows. All the links are there for the archive shows that we've done years past. And you can feel free to listen to anyone you like, download them, share them. And contact us with any interesting ideas or show stuff and 
We'd love to hear from you. Again, uh, the email is radiostackhouse at gmail.com. And I am Diana Stack and with Quentin Tiffany saying good night. I'd like to say good night, sleep tight, and go to hell. Well, I'm probably going there anyways. But don't worry, I'll save a seat for all of you listeners. Toodles. Bye.